halls for the crazy poet. No room for his vision. To Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with modern-day New York City jazz singer Katie Ball. She was born and bred in New York City and was raised in a family that was drenched in the arts. Her father was a jazz pianist and a dance improviser. Her mother was a notable painter and her stepmother a dance anthropologist and improviser. Over the course of our conversation, she discussed the release of her brand new 2015 album called All Hot Bodies Radiate. She also talked about her college years, her travels to Israel and Africa, her plans for the future, and how she is a cultivator of everything art and love. Dig this interview, my friends. Hey, thank you for taking a little time out to talk with me. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you for calling. So I know you're you're busy, so let's we'll go ahead and dive in here. And I want to know, first of all, kind of musically, what has been going on with you lately? Oh, well, we've been doing a residency um, at a venue in the West Village. And then the residency shifted because the venue actually changed hands. So we moved the operation out to Brooklyn, and in December we'll be doing um, another performance at the Shapeshifter Lab and just, you know, working on the music and getting the music out there. I mean, today's the release, so that's kind of exciting, and the advanced press has been great, and just playing, you know, just playing and making making the music. It's always kind of amazing to feel how this album, which we've been playing for a couple of years now, developing the music, just keeps expanding and just when you think you know just when you feel like yeah yeah we've got these tunes they kind of i don't know they they grow again so that's what we had we did a performance um on halloween right during the parade in new york city and it was just incredible having the energy of the parade and having the kind of the wildness of that night in our own blood yeah that's what we've yeah that's what we've been doing very cool. So your latest album, All Hot Bodies Radiate. How did this come about? Talk to me a little bit about the creative forces that went into this and what you're expecting with the release. Oh, okay. Well, um, you know, I was on this, like, nature retreat up in my home in the mountains near Woodstock, New York, and I also have um, a small apartment in the city, New York City. So I was up there and I was doing some composing and just kind of connecting to nature. And and meanwhile, I've also been on the environmental trail, so I've been doing a lot of environmental actions over the last five years or so, getting involved in um, the global warming, climate change awareness. And, and then I was going through personal changes, you know, moving from um, having been married for many years to to moving into my own independent life and so the transition of you know my love life and my life out there in the world and nature and and in action all came together and the songs came right out of that place it came right out of that that intersection of time and I composed most of them and then there are two that are covers one is uh Richard Rogers and Hammerstein, and the other is Harold Harold Arlen. So, you know, the they also connect into those themes as well. And you know, this band I've been with these guys for years and years. So, to me, this is just another opportunity for us to come together and and keep evolving together. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, as her bio says, you were you were born in New York City. You've been in New York your whole life. What is what is what has it been like to be in New York to foster this love of jazz for you? What acts did you see? What influences did this city have on you? Oh, to live in New York City? Oh, my God. Well, you know, yes, I was born here, and I was born in the West Village, and my father was a jazz piano player uh, who trained with Lenny Tristano. So for me, being in the village and being with my dad during those early, early years was a whole lot of jazz. And, you know, this is the West Village and all the venues here and just going and listening and the jam sessions. And I guess the other arts, too. I mean, I'm involved in, for myself, movement-based theater. And there's a lot of hybrid arts here, which is something that definitely I've explored for many years here. And the culture and the people, the, the, the you know, diversity of cultures and the, the energy and the, the convergence of the energy is definitely influences me. And, and I guess maybe the legacy of the history of, of the tradition roots of jazz here, being able to go up to Harlem and, you know, to the Apollo Theater, just being able to hear such a wide range of music from R&B down to um, folk to music from all around the world. You know, you, you your ears are just constantly, constantly heaped in new sounds and sounds from places that aren't where you're from. And, you know, it's just an, it's an incredible place to be for jazz, obviously. Yeah, yeah it's the Mecca for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you start singing? Oh, oh, I've always been singing. <laughs> I've always been singing. I remember singing when I was very, very little, so little that I used to put little pennies into the piano in between the keys and just kind of spending really hours at the piano um, on McDougal Street in Manhattan and just kind of plunking away little melodies. And, and then um, we did move upstate for a while and... Uh, when we came back to the city, we were living in a place here called Tribeca, which is now very high-end, but at the time it was just a lot of artists and loss, really raw loss. And I was able to connect as a teenager around the age of 14 with Sheila Jordan and Jay Clayton, who are both extraordinary jazz musicians and you know, vocalists. They were both my mentors. So I would say that I, sh- I always sang, you know, we- my father had jam sessions while I was growing up, we had musicians in the house coming and going and staying with us, jazz musicians from New York City and from Rochester, because that's where we were. We were in a place called Brockport up near Rochester for a yeah. while, and there were amazing jazz musicians coming and going. And then when we came back, my parents had a performance loft, so as a teenager, I was around. In fact, it was Don Cherry's loft. It used to be Don Cherry's loft. We had lots and lots of jam sessions and dancers and um, visual artists coming around. So that was an incredible, incredible childhood into adolescence. Oh, wow, you know, absolutely. Really being seeped in it, yeah. So that my next question is, obviously, since you were young, you knew that your life was going to lean towards the arts. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. Did, did, did you <laughs> dream of being a jazz musician or was there a visual arts or what, what what did you want to be 
Well, I don't think that I ever had even a conscious moment of thinking I want to be um, this or that because it was just already happening. Do you see? I yeah. mean, like I'm growing up in the arts. I'm I'm I was performing at Walker's as a jazz musician, and I was also writing because I you know have done writing and writing um, for uh, hybrid arts projects and theater and music that you integrate, you know, it's a hybrid thing. So like over just over time, this is just this is just my identity, I guess. I, I don't ever remember thinking I want to be I do remember my voice coach, um, Chuck Jones, who's a speaking voice coach, once said to me, you know, you could actually uh coach, you know, the speaking voice vocal production and integrate singing, you know, and I thought, oh, well I could do that. That's one way to earn a living and it happens to be something I love and and so I do remember aspiring to really develop that as well but the the other has just I've just always produced I've had projects that I've written and directed and integrated musicians into produced and I've produced them and I you know I came from a family of artists who made their own work and for over 25 years they created a performance space so it never even occurred to me you know uh, to do anything else because that just was such a part of I guess my upbringing my mother is a visual artist and my father and my stepmom were also dancers they were modern dancers so between the jazz and the dance and the visual arts um, I think it was a done deal <laughs> yeah <laughs> done. I would say so I would say so. one of the big things that's pointed out in your biography is how instrumental Jake Layton and Sheila Jordan were on you deciding mm -hmm. to get into jazz. What was it? What was it specifically about their influence that really motivated you to kind of go to clubs and kind of get into jazz? Well, I think it had to do with just the fact that I was at an age where they would say things to me like, "Do you want to come sit in at the Tin Palace? Do you want to come sing?" at CDs, do you want to come, you know, they would um, invite me and they would bring some of their workshop students into venues. I was already singing with my father, the jazz piano player at Walker's, so I had a regular gig there, but, you know, the idea that slowly but surely, it just, you know, it gets, it gets into your heart, it gets into your heart, and they really encouraged me. They just kept saying, you're, you know, you've got something to offer. Really put it out there. And, and, uh, and you know, my, my journey has, has included these other forms of the arts so as well. So um, I think, though, that there was a certain moment in time when I was working on a project and I was integrating jazz musicians when I was in my early to mid-twenties, I guess. And um, <clears throat> the, it, the project just was so fantastic. And the musician said, hey, let's, you know, get into some clubs together. And I had been working more in hybrid arts theater environments at that time. But they said, you know, bring it back around to the clubs. And so there have been like, I've been, I've been cycle, I think I've cycled through that phase and into a phase of more integrated arts and now I'm, you know, 
probably landing more in as a performer in the realm of jazz as a performer. So yeah, yeah. What was it like, you know, you grew up in a real-world level of understanding art and seeing it and being involved with it, and then you go to SUNY Purchase as a music major. What was it like to step into an education facility and get more of a formal look at what what Mm -hmm. you've been seeing your whole life? Um, I mean, the great thing about Purchase now is that right now, and for some time actually, it's had one of the best jazz programs, you know, like, in the world, basically, certainly nationally. It's a fantastic program. At the time, um, it, the program was hardly even a germinal, in, in a germinal stage. And I had gone there because I had wanted to take what I was doing and be able to um, write charts and arrangements for, for bigger bands, because that was something I was really interested in at the time. And when I got there and discovered that the music theory was not um, going to support that and that that just wasn't the focus there um, and that there really weren't any, really any jazz musicians that I could play with there, um, there were just really just, I think there were two or three at the time. And so I realized that that wasn't really going to be the place for me, but the actual rigor of the classes that I took were I loved. I lo- I really loved all the training. I loved learning madrigals and, you know, I loved working with the opera coach um, who became a very close friend. It was only, however, for one semester because as soon as I realized that we were going to need to, um, the royal we, <laughs> that I, that I was going to need to move, I was going to need to move um, into another program there. Yeah, uh, but that semester was, really was formative. Uh, you know, I loved being in the pla- practice rooms, surrounded by all these other incredibly dedicated, amazingly dedicated musicians, and watching them practicing around the clock, you know, which, growing up with parents who were artists, that it never occurred to me not to want to just be in your art and, you know, and practicing and exploring and jamming. So I loved their dedication and, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think if you're in an institution where, and say in a jazz institution where there's an equal amount of time with the improvisational piece and the exploratory, and if you're getting out to hear things live and listening live, you know, going into venues and hearing musicians um, who are a little bit more seasoned and experienced, then I think so much, there's so much wonderful structure, support that structure can give you in, you know. But at the end of the day, if you're not ever getting out to hear any real live music, um, I I would be concerned um, because I think so much of this comes through the ears. Do you agree? Do you, do you oh, think yeah. that's true? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, and Kansas City kind of has their own level of renaissance going on. I mean, every night there's always clubs that are hopping, and when you see it live, I mean, and the true mm-hmm. essence of jazz is improv. I mean, you know, Sonny Rollins has always kind of bemoaned the fact that he goes into studios. He'd rather do it live, and I think that mm-hmm. the essence, the cornerstone of jazz is that it is improv. It's going to be done one way the one time that you hear it live, and it will probably deviate and be a little different the next time. So, yeah you're going to get the entire plethora of flavors from your live experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, 
it, but at the same time, you know, it's always good to listen to Kind of Blue each time and all of these albums and see how they kind of mutate and their colorful blend in your brain. But yeah, mm-hmm. the live mm-hmm. live experience is definitely the way to go. Um, oh, I agree. I, I agree. But the recordings that capture those incredible live sessions or the studio sessions where the live energy is really present and where people are really, really cutting loose and taking those risks to listen and to be in the moment that way in jazz, those are timeless. I agree. You can listen to those again and again, and you feel like you're in a live event in some ways. Yeah. Um, but, but uh, this, you know, when students get passionate about hearing the live music, um, I think they, they start taking more risks themselves. And then the, anything that might feel a little bit um, boxed in within a conservatory gets, you know, really gets loosened up. And it's a nice balance. It's a yin-yang, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when you got out of college, you traveled. You went to Israel, you went to Europe, and then you came back to New York. So speaking mm-hmm. of seeing things live, getting out and experiencing a whole other part of this world, parts of this world, what mm-hmm. was that like? Whoa, well, that was incredible. I had been to Africa when I was 12, which which completely changed my life, being in Africa. My father and my stepmother were... Um, dancing with the Ghanaian Dance Ensemble. And uh, you know, so we, we actually went through Europe and then went into um, Africa at the end and spent some time in Ghana. But when I went again just after college, which is what you're asking about, I really have to say that it was it, it was extraordinary. I mean, everywhere I went, I heard as much indigenous local music as I could, local folk music, local... We even went into some of the spiritual institutions. We wanted to just, my friend and I, my dear, dear friend, um, and I wanted to really hear as much music and as mu- and see as much art as we could. You know, so in Portugal, we heard the Fado, and in, in Barcelona, we went and watched some uh, flamenco and, you know, uh, it, we, it was incredible. And... Of course, in Israel, when I think that was the first time when I really felt like this is really an unfamiliar landscape, and the the language and the sound and even the light, like the light itself, was so different. The sand and the you know, so I and I feel like Frank Kimbrough the the. Um, piano player who's also a beautiful composer and I've worked with him many times he's on some of my recordings Frank is is now teaching at Juilliard and at one point um, we were working together and he said you know if you keep your ears open and you know just keep having experiences that's what comes into the music as much and he said you can focus on theory to a certain extent, but in a sense, there isn't theory because you're always, there might be some fundamental things that you need to know, but what you really need more than anything is open ears and getting the earplugs out of your ears and getting your, you know, listening to the birds, listening to the sounds. So that trip was very, very beautifully sonic. Every culture had a different sonic quality. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. 
So give me an idea up to this point in 2015 about your professional career between the recordings and kind of your general ascent to where you are right now. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, well, I was very excited um, to discover that one of my bandmates, George Schuler, who's an extraordinary drummer, percussionist, and he has many of his own projects, um, ha- was interested in helping to do booking and to sort of bring the music out there. So where we're at right now is that I have one of the most amazing bandmates who's a dear, dear, beloved friend suddenly taking, you know, taking some initiative to help with with booking. So we've got some things coming up in the spring and um, at the Firehouse 12 and looks like we'll be at the Buttonwood at some point too and we're out in Brooklyn at Shapeshifter. I think where we're all wanting to be is in a really like home-based residency and we were excited about the residency that we did have and sorry to see the venue change hands but excited that that started to generate exactly what we want which is that kind of local um, home base that we can keep coming to and keep evolving and then from there taking the music you know into wonderful tri-state areas and and eventually moving across the country we're all talking about yeah touring has been on our mind for some time but that home base for us is really important that's where we're at and then this album moving out into the world who knows it's definitely a genre bending you have to have open ears to kind of go with it and i think i do think that there's an audience out there that loves that and and uh because you can hear where there's tradition roots and there's melody and it's not something that's so abstract that you can't um, drop into the familiarity of the melody or the tradition root. But at the same time, there's lots of edges that bump into other genres. And it's kind of hard to describe, but I do feel there's an audience for that. And I think we are determined and excited about like letting this album move into that audience's ears we have that fantastic kickstarter backed album and the, these musicians landon knoblock on piano you know george schuler on drums joe fonda on bass and jeff letterer on the saxophones these are extraordinary amazing musicians who who i always call i call our our music like hive mind music like we come together and kind of do biomimicry we we swarm and we swoop and we flock we go all over the place but we always come back because we're we're connected in a really organic way so we just want to keep evolving that you know yeah yeah absolutely so you grew up around a lot of you know jazz musicians and a lot of Mm -hmm. artists who would you consider your jazz heroes who influenced you the most Oh, my God. Well, no question, Jay Clayton, the vocalist, the pioneer experimental artist. Um, she was like a mother to me, and Sheila Jordan as well. You know, she used to rock me on her knees. She used to come visit me when I was a baby. So these were singers that were right there in my life. Um, and then there are musicians that, um, of course, if you're talking about the greats that are – 
you know, the classic greats like Ella Fitzgerald and Sarah Vaughan and Betty Carter and Mel Torme and um, Nina Simone. And, you know, I mean, I grew up, I listened to these musicians literally every day of my entire life growing up when I'd come yeah. home. And um, But then also a lot of horn players, um, Lee Konitz, Charlie Parker, you know, I mean, name it. I listened to so much, Bill Evans, Keith Jarrett. Keith Jarrett really had an impact on me because I heard him live at the um, Eastman School in Rochester and I had never witnessed such visceral, like physical passion in um in a player, in a piano player in that way. And he, the fact that he improvised the entire performance and poured his guts out, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, I mean, there's, oh God, there's so many musicians. You know, also the big bands, like the big bands from the 30s, you know, and the... um Sad Jones, Mel Lewis band. I loved all the big bands. I really wanted to have a big band myself, but I evolved in a different direction. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's whittle this list down a little bit here. If you could go back in time, get to a time machine, the Immaculate DeLorean, and go back and witness a show and witness it at a certain place, where would you go? Who would you see? Wow. What a great question. Thank you. God. Oh, no. so many things are moving through my mind right now. You can pick a few. That we don't have to. <laughs> oh. Have the ultimate. Well, if I could have, if I could have been in any of the audiences of Billie Holiday, of course, and really been up close, um, that would have been just incredible. I'm sure. Oh my God! All and Charlie Parker. I mean, to have been able to. You know, or John Coltrane, um, or Miles Davis, to to have been in any any of their performances in the nineteen, you know, thinking about like the nineteen forties and the nineteen fifties and that transition, you know, swing, bebop, and you know, moving moving into that territory, but just I don't know, any one of those performances would have been incredible. Me. I, I can't limit it. <laughs> yeah. No, I understand. Oh. I think one of the reasons why this question kind of came to being is being here in KC and being next to 18 and Vine, and I've been down there, and I just, you know, I, I there's you can just feel what was going on at the time and to think about that, I mean, from Charlie Parker all the way on to anybody as the Paris mm-hmm. was playing, it would have been mm-hmm. amazing to catch a, a show right. there. So um, let me ask you this. It's a simple question, but it's something that, has substance to it. Why do you love jazz? Oh, uh, uh, you know, to me, I think that jazz is is just, it's such an alive art form. It's all about living in the moment and hearing. When you're playing it, you're so alive. You have to be or it's just not happening. It's the improvisational aliveness of it and the fact that there's this heightened listening and then that the audience is coming into that listening um aside from you know all the 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 blues roots that i love and um you know just the actual sound of the music i love the energy and the process i love that and i always feel 
you know, happier after I go into a jazz. Like if I go to the Village Vanguard, and I remember one night I went to hear Joe Lovano at the Vanguard with my editor, because I do have a jazz column that I write for in the New York City Jazz Records here in New York, and I get to write about jazz vocalists. And really, it's a totally supportive. Um, I'm not a critic. I'm just supporting vocalists as much as I can. And I went to hear Joe Lovano, and it was just, I physiologically, physically could feel the happiness in my heart. I could actually feel myself, my spirit lifting, you know, the woes of the day kind of melting away, and this sense of connectedness, you know, the sense of connectedness to the people around you. If you go to a jazz club by yourself, you are instantly with people. You're in, you're, it's just built in to that culture that you're never alone. There's always, you can always connect to the people around you. Absolutely. That's a great way of putting it. Um, totally true. Let me ask you this. It all kind of comes down to this final question for you. Everybody in your life that you've known, um, those that you perform for, your students, your family, close ones, they all have a perception of who Katie Bull is. Who do you think you are? <laughs> who do you think you are? That's great. <laughs> I always want to say it, but I want to lead into it. I don't want to just say, who do you think you are? <laughs> who do you think you are? <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> I just breathe. Uh, uh, I don't know. Well, I have a student sitting in the room. Who am I, Liz? Who am I? <laughs> I'm. I. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm the mother of all things good. Is that what you said? <laughs> I'm there you mother. Go. I'm. I'm a nurturing artist. I am. It's true. You know what? It's true. That's a darn good way to look at it. I am. I. I love to. I love to garden, and I love to make music, and I love to. I do love to nurture. The process. I'm all about the process. Yeah, and well, love. I'm about love. Love, people. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, the, the beauty is in the eye of the holder, so I'm glad that there was a baton you could toss on this question here. You got in the room, and somebody could be able to put that out there. That's great. That And that right there is a perfect way to us to kind of wrap the, the interview up. And again, thank you for taking some time out and being honest with me and giving me your story. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I really am honored. I truly, really am. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in New York, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Katie Bull for her voice, her passion, and all that tasty music. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store or visit theneonjazz.blogspot.com for all things neon jazz. Until next time, enjoy the music, my friends. A rising sun. Neon Jazz.